All right. Podcast time. We're here, Mr. Bass de Beaver. Bass, how are you doing? I'm right, Neil. Thanks for having me on here. No problem. Good, uh, good catching up, and uh, thanks for coming over to hang out. How you been? I've been all right. You know, kind of a crusade the last couple of was it weeks since I uh, decided not to uh, extend my contract with the federation. So I'm just kind of here hanging out, just having chill, seeing what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to the start because you got a. I think a lot of the new school people know you as Bastard Beaver, the coach, but, you know, the 80s and 90s guys obviously know you as a racer and want to talk more about that stuff. So uh, let's go back to uh, when you found BMX and uh, where it all started. Oh, gee. Um, I guess it all started in the early 80s, end of the 70s, actually. I had my first BMX bike for my mom and dad when I turned 11, which was in 79. Um, did my first race in, in, in 81. Um, and the ball got rolling from there, I guess. And BMX was kind of, I think Holland and England was kind of the same same time, right? It yeah. was kind of just starting and, and kind of taking off at the same time. How was BMX in Holland back then, you know, pre-83 Worlds? I know it was really starting to get big then, but those first couple of years you was into it, then it was just fast-growing sport, right? It was really fast-growing. Um, you know, and, and, and Garrett, those obviously had a big hand in that. Uh, he brought the sport back to Europe. Uh, in the late 70s uh, but it picked up momentum really really quick in the early 80s um, at one point i think we had five and a half or six thousand license holders which wow. for holland is is yeah. a lot for a small country um no it, it that developed really quick until it kind of plunged well you know at the end was it end of the 80s kind of end of the 80s yeah probably same as uh same as I mean, you guys are all parallel to the uk what was going on yeah think, you know yeah and but eighty three was the worlds, the first worlds outside the US, US. IBMXF, Slag Haran. I mean, we've all seen them footage. You was there racing? Can you remember much about? Uh, I, I know that I won in the junior class. That was, and that's um, when worlds you'd have expert and junior yeah, per age group. Yeah, yeah, junior age group, and then you had the expert age group. And I was obviously in the junior one because I just started out, uh, but I won that one. Yeah. Did you understand what it was, or like was it? To me, it was back then. It was just a race because I just started, you know, riding BMX bikes or racing bikes. Yeah. Um, and then there was this big race, and, and you were champion. It was called Worlds, <laughs> and at the end, I was world champion. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And and that's really the point where I really started to think of, hey, I I can get into sports and and make a living out of it, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to be the best as I can. Uh, up until that point, it was just you know having fun riding my bike. So that Worlds, uh, Clint Miller won twenty inch. Greg Hill, Andy Patterson, guys like that were there. Did you now? Did did you realize who they were? What the the, the stars? Well, or? obviously in the lead up to that race, um, a lot of hype, a lot of hype. So all these names came past by, and I'm like, all right, Greg Hill, and well, the, all the names you just named. Yeah. Um, but once I was there at that race, and I saw these guys ride in a race, and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Um, Mind you that the tracks back then was, you know, were way, way different than, than they are right now. I mean, we had one jump per straightaway, so it was more of a power thing. You know, it was a sprint of, what, 30 seconds. But those guys impressed me, really. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. A lot of the top amateurs from the U.S. as well, they're like Hutch were there, GT guys. Yeah, 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 they're all there. I remember names as Timmy Judge and, you know, Steve Veltman, who was an amateur back then on Hutch. Yeah, Nelson Chanady, um, GT. Guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can... 
write down a whole list of people. That yeah, came yeah. Over, I guess. Yeah. So then the next couple of years, so how, how did that, so say you kind of realized what it was and you started to take it seriously, 84, 85? Yeah. 84, I got picked up by our national federation who back then already had national teams sending out to wow. these championships. So in 84, we had national, I mean, world champs in, in Japan. Uh, oh, you went to Japan, did you? In Suzuka, yeah. Um, and I raced 15X. How'd you do? I think I ended up fifth. Um, fourth or fifth can't really remember to be honest what I remember from that race is Paul Adams a lot of past Australians the Aussie guy uh... that guy was so strong mm-hmm. um, that's all I remember from that from racing wise yeah um, uh, I, can we go into stories around racing of course Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time I, you know, I'm out of the country, my first big trip with that mom and dad, 15 years old, to Tokyo. Back then was a, that, you know, oh, now yeah, it's like go to the moon. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and I got put into, into a room with four other, uh, no, three other dudes, and they were like three, four years older. And, you know, racing was done, and it, it was in an amusement park at Suzuka Raceway. Right. Um, and so after the race, these guys went out, and and I was a fifteen year old just sat in my room, and these guys came back, and well, you know, I think you can all kind of fill yeah, in yeah, yeah. what happened after Japanese that. checks, yes, uh, loads. Um, <laughs> so that was a that was a life lesson for me, right there, right? Yeah, yeah, kid. But no, it was good times. Um, Did you race Birmingham in '84 as well? Then Birmingham yeah, Europeans, Europeans, yeah. How'd you do in that? I think I got second behind. Gee, what's the English? Schofield? Was it Schofield? Maloney. Maloney. Maloney, yeah. Maloney Jason Maloney. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever happened to that dude? You know, that's a good question. Uh, he's not on social media. He did a TV show at some point. Oh, yeah. You know, I was already here, but I remember hearing or reading about it. He did a gardening show or something. But oh, yeah, yeah, he got out pretty pretty early, you cool. know, like yeah. before mid, mid-80s. He was kind of, you know, gone a couple of years after you raced him, yeah. So, right. So, um, yeah, he won that. That was... That was Interesting track, hey, Birmingham? All Birmingham down, Wheels, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was probably the, the toughest track in the UK at the time. Yeah. Um, Alan Woods, actually, uh, if you know Alan, did a podcast with him last year. He designed that. I think he might have built it as well. Oh, did he? Uh, but it was uh, Birmingham Wheels, um, European track. And they had the Europeans in 84, so you probably... No, 83 and 84. So you might not have done 83. You did not do anything. 84 was three finals, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you yeah, probably yeah, remember yeah. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the next one, I didn't. I was racing in 84, but I they took national one to eight and I was nine. So I didn't go, even though I only lived 45 minutes away. Mm. Um, but I did the next year's Europeans, which were in Spain. So Yes, I how, remember that. What do you know, remember about Spain? Oh, that early days were, it was kind of still of a kind of a blur to me, but... I remember this this German guy raced in pink for Hutch, I think, Uli, Uli, Ulrich, something. Right. Uh, he won. Uh, I got second behind him. Um, that's all I know from that race. Um, this 85 now, we're at that's 85. That's 85, yeah, yeah. So Worlds were in Whistler that year in Canada. Um, that I, I remember a lot from that race. That, that was pretty cool. I mean, since, you know, 20 years later... Um, came back to Whistler for mountain biking. Same spot? Same spot. Oh, I didn't realise that was the same spot. spot. Um, I know it was obviously Whistler, and, but... And bought a condo there with, with Stevie, uh, which is funny if you look back to it. But but Whistler in 85 was small, small town village. I mean, the main square, was, which is still the main square, was there. Right. But everything else around it, 
it was, it was nothing. Yeah. The BMX track was built on what now is the finish of all the oh really ski, uh, literally ski slopes and and the mountain bike slopes. Uh, so it's funny when I, when I come back there to see all that grow or how that developed over the last. That track was a lot of um, uh, for worlds people can I, I still even see it on Facebook. So yeah, it's last weird. Week, complaining about it was too tight. One tip, just it was the turn to a turn to a turn to a turn. Yeah, you you got out of the gate first and you won it. Right. Much. How did you do it that one? Second behind uh, Rick Palmer. I think it's Rick Palmer. So you yeah. were seventeen and over there. Yeah. 17 okay. And over. Yeah, Palmer won there. Yeah, I remember that. No, Palmer didn't want. I think a Dutch guy won actually. Jan Ekman. Oh, okay. I think he won. I think Palmer got. Was Palmer? Maybe Palmer was pro back then. He I, was I Verge pro. I think he was Patterson. It could have been Ver. You know, I without researching. I know he was Patterson. John Anderson was on the podium. I remember that. Red line. Red line. Yeah, Rick Palmer was around that time, amateur to pro. So, um, yeah, I remember John Anderson because he had a big picture. He had red. Uh, yeah. Red line. He had yeah. a big picture. I think he's on the cover of one of the English magazines Could at the be. time. Could but um, and then eighty six was the first time we kind of the English. That was um, our second European Championship for a lot of us. You know, people of my era, and that's where you really made a for us. That's where we're like, oh my god, this guy. You was kind of um, the European Championship were in Widerstadt Germany, in yeah. Germany, which they still race now. I see. Yeah. Um, but you was in seventeen and over, and um, you jumped the triples down the second straight, which uh, only a hand, handful That's of guys did it. Yeah, yeah. There's you, Rob Bolton, who was actually in my age group, which is crazy. He jumped him. Uh-uh. Um, and I don't think many of the superclass guys did as well. I don't but, think so, no. But watching you win that, you doubled there, right? Yeah, cruiser and class. Yeah, that was like the first time, like, well, Basta Beaver, you know? So what do you it's, remember? It's from that year on where I was really, I mean, really focused on, on winning and performing and, and yeah. training hard and all that kind of stuff. And obviously paid off. Winning worlds in both classes. I mean, Europeans in both what classes. What kind of training were you doing then? Did you have, like, a program and stuff or...? Um, no, I just did my own thing, you know. Um, uh, worked a lot with the dozers back then, you know, Garrett. Um, just, you know, feed it off of him. Uh, but pretty much did my own thing um, for whatever I thought at the time was, you know, was good. Yeah. I was still in school, obviously, so, you know, it's not like that I, I was full-time BMX in. Um, but, it, you know, it, it consci- I consciously made the choice to chase my, my goal of winning races. Um, and you was in no hurry to go superclass, was you? Did you kind of have a little plan on that? Because you was faster. You probably could have competed to win superclass that same weekend. Yeah, but did maybe. you kind of? You'd already worked it out. Yeah. It, also, there another. I was I was racing my age class, and 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 like I said, I I, I made the choice or the conscious choice to 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 chase after those goals and win races and never really planned long term i still don't do that actually right um career wise i mean yeah um so i just took a year by year and race by race and i only turned superclass because of i got into the the national team which is is was armf back yeah. in in 87 i did one more year as an amateur and then after that i turned uh, pro or superclass whatever they called it back then and for those that don't know Amev, it's kind of uh, t- tell everybody a little bit about the team. You know, we we looked at you guys like you know, kind of as the new school guys would look at the Dutch national team now. Everybody branded the same. Uh, yeah, give us a scoop on Amev because it really was yeah, a well, European the, powerhouse team. The Dutch Federation, even back then, they already um, 
like I said, they they sended out athletes to to world champs on on their cost, and in '86, they um, one of the the main sponsors of our national federation was an insurance company called Ahmed, mm-hmm. um, and they said uh, besides doing road cycling, they 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 figured they needed a BMX team, um, so they started with the superclass. They had like five or six guys in '86, and then in '87 they also put some amateurs on there, and I was one of them. Um, and they send us all over Europe to do these races and worlds, obviously. Um, and I think that continued until 88, I think, 89, 88, I think. Right. Um, the worlds were in Slough. No, that was 86. 86, right? yeah. Yeah. So 87, it would have been, you guys were on Amav in Orlando. Orlando, yeah. That yeah. was my first trip over to the US ever. 87, Orlando Worlds. Um, I remember winning Cruiser and I remember qualifying in semis. I was in qualifying position, I think. And you were racing Eric Carter there, weren't was, you? Somebody to know yeah, and, and all those guys. And then I think Pavlovsky gave me an elbow in one of the turns, and, and that was it. Um, it was a good time, yeah. Did you think, because that was like full of American, you know, factory superstars, you know, Eric Carter, Matt Hayden, you know, Pavlovsky, you just said, so many TC, mm. you know. Um, uh, going into that race, like I say, he'd already won the Europeans again yeah. that year, or doubled probably again. Um, so you dominated in Europe. Was you, did you go to that world, like going there to win? Yeah, but I I I didn't know my my US competition because I never been there and right. I wasn't like you, like a big magazine guy that I scrolled through all the magazines, like who's winning, who's doing what. And right, it was pretty. I, I went to Orlando and I wanted to win, to win that race. Yeah, both classes, and then yeah, then I ran into all these American guys who were like, oh, these guys are pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and then I become good friends, you know, because I think the winter after the 87 Worlds, the, the 87, 89 winter, I came out here and stayed with TC and, and Blazer in, uh, in Riverside, I think Riverside they lived back then. Marino Valley, yeah. Yeah, Movell. Uh, stayed there for a couple of weeks. So I ended up making a bunch of friends. But again, I didn't, you know, going into that race, I just went there, you know, yeah. to race and, and win. And then only afterwards where I find out there's fast Americans, I'm like, hmm interesting but i never had any heroes really or people that i right looked up to i mean i respected everybody obviously that I yeah uh, not so much as heroes right what about um we talked a little bit before we hit the podcast you know we just i pulled out some of my dutch magazines that you haven't seen for a very long tricks. time bmx tricks um so I was, was flicking through there and we're just looking at some of the results i mean and, and I, I spent you know from the mid 80s onwards racing in holland and you know, idolizing you guys and Wilco and Phil Hugendon, just so many fast mm. Dutch riders and a lot that American friends would don't even know, but were right. just super, super fast. Why do you think, and you can go back into the amateurs, you know, European championships, just so many Dutch, every final full of Dutch, mm. you know, why, mm. why do you think the Dutch were and are even now just so, so fast? Uh, that question I've been asked a lot, even later on in mountain biking, um, you know, there was a Dutch who, do, who did good. Um, how come? Uh, you know, cycling is in our culture, right? As soon as you turn three, you know, you walk and you get a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And, and as you turn six, you get a new one. You turn 10, you get a new one. So we got way more bicycles than, than we have people living in Holland. So it's a cultural thing, I think. Uh, but I guess it also has to do with the fact that Garrett brought BMX over from the US and you know him being a Dutch obviously the development in Holland went quicker than in all the other mm-hmm. Euro countries I think that's, that's probably one of the main reasons um, 
besides the fact that obviously the Dutch are a strong breed of people. Just so. I mean, I in 1987, you'll know him, I know you raced him a little bit, I, I be, be, became good friends with a guy called Mark Van Drill, mm-hmm. who came second to Eric Carter in 86 right. in uh, 15, 15 Expert. Uh, so I went to stay the next summer, which was 87, we raced the Worlds in Bel- the Europeans in Belgium. And I went to Holland and hung out with him for a while. Right. And uh, I went to the track with him. And I, even then, practice was, there was, it was serious. Structured. There was, there was structured <laughs> training. There was a coach. I don't know if the word was coach, but there was a, you there was know, someone we, who, we yeah. did exercises first, you know, warmed up. We yep. did laps around the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, and then we did gate practice. We didn't really even do gate practice till we, later on in the 80s in, in England, only if the gate was going or it was possible to do. It wasn't right. structured gate practice twice a week. And I remember there going to do gates and I was just getting, you know, I was ranked second in Europe in my age, but just getting smoked by, by people in Holland were just so fast down the first straight. And right. I knew they, the top guys were, but they were like regular people were as well, right. you know, just seemed like you guys and were really found out Because I think there's only a few people who actually raced throughout Europe the whole year. Mm-hmm. The majority stayed home and just raced local. Yeah. And then when you come to Holland, then you're in between these locals. Yes. You, you'll notice that there's... And Mark, he was super fast. Super fast down the first, like, yeah. like really bothered me, fa- even though he was a year older than me, like, this guy is absolutely quick, destroying me, right. you know, down the first straight, you know. Him and, and was, 10 other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah like right. I say, there was so many, and flipping through these magazines reminds me, just even in the amateur age groups, so many fast dudes, you know. Yeah, well, was... back in the day, in my age, I mean, I, I struggled winning in Holland because there's guys like, you know, the US guys don't probably never heard of these guys but Marco Myers yeah, yeah. and, and Gerard Sanchez and I mean I, I can go on and list like 10 other people um, so having that strong competition yeah right help you guys helped us also I think internationally yeah yeah well let's talk because then I say 88 you turn super class and again for mm. the the newer school people super class is basically elite men you yeah. know for Europe all yeah. the best guys in Europe um, uh, race super class and uh you turn. It's funny. You turn in. I, I turned in eighty nine, even though I was quite a lot younger than you, because you kind of took your time, and I, I hopped in there quick, right. as soon as I could. But yeah, tell us about your first couple of years super class. You know, Eric Minosi, obviously the Dutch right. Phil Hugendorn, Wilco. Tell us about those first couple. Um, couple yeah, of that years. was an interesting switch. Because, um, like I said, the the choice of being the best that I could be was made a few years before that. So when I turned super class, I I really found myself in between the people that. Um, you know, we're, we're that that's the top of whatever you want to win, you want to win in super class, right? Yeah. And then there's the French who are always skillful and strong. And Minosi, um was was back then one of the strongest and fastest guys. So skillful, by the way, like all the French. Yeah. Um, you know, and a few Brits with Tom, uh, Tommy Lynch. Um, and again, the Dutch competition, we had like four or five, six dudes that yeah, didn't win yeah. any, any Worlds or any European race. Um, it, was, it was an interesting year. Worlds were in Chile that year, in Santiago, I remember that. Kassler. David Kassler won, yeah. won, won 20 inch. I have no idea who won Cruiser, to be honest. Back, back then, guys and girls, cruiser was still a thing. I know it's not anything anymore. And you was then. a bit of the cruiser king. We'll talk a bit about that moving yeah. forward. You know, world's specialist on cruiser. How many How many worlds did you win on? Three. Three, okay. So you mm, won three. 90, 91, 92. 
and then I think you won a bunch, and then Christoph won a bunch, and then Stumpy won a bunch, yeah. and then then Cruiser kind then of Cruiser fizzled out. Died. So yeah, you um, was definitely always uh, up for the win on Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Minosi. Now you guys had a bit of a was it tension? We had a yeah. bit of a rivalry going yeah. back in the day. Yeah, um, that it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, even his 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 dad. I mean, if if we you know got ready for racing and and go up to the hill. I remember, you know, his dad coming up to me and said something in French. I had no idea what oh, he said. Oh, really? He trying to piss me <laughs> off. Or when I gave Eric an elbow at one of the races, his dad would come up to me. Don't ever do that again. Right. And stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but years later, I mean, we're we're friends now. We're, we're good buddies. Um, he, he's actually... Doing really well. He's doing good. He works for Oakley and uh, he does well. But the same, you know, Wilco, Gronendal, same, same situation. We had way more rivalry going even then between me and, and Eric. Um at, dude, there's stories I can tell about that. Again, and now you and we're Wilco, best buddies. But you and Wilco live near each other as well, right? But I was, was sad on that. Like the was, two fastest dudes <laughs> don't like each other and they live like a couple of streets. Away. I was dating this girl back then and she lived literally right across the street from, from Wilco and I stayed more at my girl's house than I did at my parents. So you'd see him? I'd see him, yeah. And there's so many stories there. I remember the one race in, in um, I think it was in Dutichum. We had, you know, we had a race every year, European race, or yeah. pretty much every year. And again, big rivalry. Um, I don't know if it was semis or quarters or finals even. I, I don't know. I come out of the first turn leading, and there is dad is in the middle of the track. Wilco's dad. Wilco's dad, the middle of the track, trying to, <laughs> trying to push or kick me off the track. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I come out, I went on, I, I, I missed him, or he missed me. Right. So turn number two came out, it wasn't 180, and he stood on a third straightaway, trying to push me there as well. <laughs> I was so angry. You know, I won that thing, and over the finish line, back back in the day, you had that rope where you had to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just went straight through it because I went to go to his dad and see what the... the right, yeah, like. yeah. But that was long gone. Right. Uh, and again, here also, years later, when he got back into the sport as as a, as a coach, we went and had a couple of beers at this race in, in Hungary and we're, we're, you know, we're friends ever since. Yeah. And we can get along really well. But it's funny if you look back at, you know, in time and mm-hmm. how you... Um, how, how competitive you are mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes from um, you just want to win and he he did too yeah yeah nothing yeah um, both wanted the same thing yeah it's good times yeah so I mean yeah for the for the for the people that don't know Wilco and Grohl now I mean I actually just found um, it must have just got posted on YouTube there was a European round from Switzerland uh, 91 so Wilco wins I'll send you the link. I just found it a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Because I saw one too that um, Wilco was leading. I think Wilco was leading. And I came from third into turn number two and I gave him an elbow and I took him out, but I also took myself out oh, and two other people. I don't, I don't think it's the same thing. No, it's a different one. This one is uh, Wilco wins, Christoph gets second, and um, you get third, I get fourth. Because Christoph won because me taking out Wilco and a bunch of other dudes. Right. And then there was, like I say, then we'll talk about Christoph as he moves through in the next couple of years. But Superclass was really, um, it was it was tough in Europe. Let's like say you had the French, you had Minosi before Minosi, Xavier and Claude. Yep. They were kind of easing out as you guys were coming in. And then the English, um, 
you know, to make a European final was really, you know, for, 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 yeah, I mean, I didn't the first year. It, it, was, it was really tough. You know, yeah. it was always deep. And yeah. uh, that went for many, many years, even, uh, you know, after, um, um, yeah, after you left. And then even after I left watching it, you know, with the new school coming in. Um, we, now, was you making money then? I mean, obviously, prize money wasn't that big then, was it? And, and the, it was no. that moving into the 90s, everything was down. So no. how was you making it? You guys went to school still, didn't you? Yeah, I think I finished school in, and now I really got to dig deep. Um, Early 90s? Yeah, 91, I would say. I finished school, 90, 91. Um, no, 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 dude, there was no money. I mean, for me, if I talk for myself, I hardly made money. I mean, my prize money, and that, that's about it. I could yeah. I could buy a little car and, and drive it around. Um, you know, still living at my mom and dad, so it didn't cost me anything. But no, there was hardly any money in it for me. Yeah, yeah. So then after Amev, then we went to MCS, right? Premier. You Premier Sun, Sun Premier. Premier. Yeah. yeah. So I was on Sun for... Which was kind of the same people from Amev, right? Garrett kind of did yeah. that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, similar people. I think I was on there for a year and then... Or two, maybe. Worlds in 89. So maybe touch on that one. So that Worlds was... 89 was Australia. Was it Australia? Yeah, it was Australia. Australia, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that also has a story there. Um, so you come against Kenny May, which was the top yeah, American top amateur American at the time. Then. So I made both mains, 20-inch and, and cruiser. Cruiser main was up first. And May was... Um, was it May leading or was it me leading? I think you won. Yeah, I, oh yes, I was leading, because I, I always mix this up. So I was leading until the last turn. And in the last turn, there was an American commissaire. And Kenny was tailing me um, and got underneath me in the last turn uh, tried to bump me didn't work out I crossed the line first right and then there was a protest and I apparently crossed some kind of line and they put me back into last or they switched Kenny and, and me I think they switched us so he went second or first and I went second and that's for the world title it's not even for like and a, that's for a, the world freaking yeah, yeah. title and like I and if you look at the videos, he didn't even come close. Right. To yeah, I did look me. at it. Yeah. But anyway, so I've it was switched around. It really pissed me off. Did you guys have words like you and Kenny? Yes, we did <laughs> a lot <laughs> <laughs> for years to come. No, not for years to come, but for a while after. Um, so every time I came to the US to race and I raced him, it was, there was always something coming on between him and me. For you know, because he was pretty outspoken and stuff. I didn't really know much about him. I mean, read, I didn't know him. I read about him and, right. and I knew he was definitely not like a quiet dude, was he? No, no, no. He spoke out. Um, so for I'd say the year or the two years after, every time we met, it was there was something going on. Yeah. Um, but um, also there, I think years later, I saw him again at. at I was mountain biking already at the sea other. He showed up. Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was fun. You know, we just stood there and talked. And, yeah, and left it off. And left it off. Um, but no, good times there. And then I got... And then the 20-inch final came around. Um, and then Minozzi won that one. You got second. And I got second by Minozzi. I don't remember who got third, to be honest. Nico. Nico does. Oh, Nico got third. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so two seconds there. And that was on Sun, Sun Premier. And then in 90, I went on to MCS. Right. Worlds in France, right? 
Worlds in France, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you won Cruiser because I was on. Uh, we'll talk a bit. I guess this is where kind of Christoph came into the yeah. into the frame. Garrett then went on to do MCS Europe team, which was uh, just a star-studded team at the start. You know, yourself, mm. um, new guy from France, Christophe Levesque, who nobody quite heard of until that year. Um, Uwe mm. Stern from Germany. It was yes. good. A bunch of Dutch guys. You. Uh, well, I, I wasn't on to start with. I, I, I got on during that year. Basically, I saw Christoph at Slagara and I was on Elf in England at the time. And I saw Christoph. At, that was the first time we saw Christoph. And he, I think he was 16 expert. He came from the back and, you know, was all fascinated by him. And, and anyway, we, we'd all, all the English, we all was looking at his bike, you right. know. And, 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 you know, was I was convinced after that Slagar and I got home I was like I need the same bike as that French dude <laughs> so I basically got back from Slagar and I, I I don't know whatever I did then probably wrote to Garrett Dose and was like I need can I be on this team you know I, I'd love to be on MCS Europe I don't you know whatever it is I just want to be on I want that bike same bike as right. which was I think it was an MCS Magnum or whatever it's called <laughs> Pro I was 19 and a half top tube or something but what and Fred Z bars you gotta ask what, Jeff DeVito he knows yeah Jeff DeVito <laughs> will know but anyway I want the same bike as Levesque so and, and at the time Garrett said some Somebody had left the team, some Dutch rider, older Dutch rider. So he said, um, he said, yeah, there's a spot for you. So yeah, I got an MCS during, right yeah, after yeah. Slagaran anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so obviously MCS Europe was a good team. Worlds in France. Mm. You won Cruiser past Frank Shevaton, right? in the second to last turn. Yeah. And then 20 inch Wilco, right? 20 inch Wilco. I think I ended up fourth. I think. And there was actually pros at that rate. The Americans came out, so they had their own class. A couple of the French guys, Minozzi, Xavier and Claude, hopped in yeah. pro with the yeah. French. Yeah. Uh, but you stayed down in super class yeah. with, with the rest of the Europeans, which, like I say, is still, still a hard class. So, yeah, I think it was Wilco won. Rob Bolton, another Dutch guy, yeah. got second. And, uh, and then the following year was Brazil. Who won pro, by the way, in France? Which was Pistol, Pistol Pete. Pistol, Pistol Pete, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Pistol Pete. Uh, Minosi got second, and then you got Hayden. Eric, I think Hayden third. You keep impressing me, dude, with all these it, stats. I yeah, I mean, it's just videos and magazines, you know, before the internet. That's mm. all you would do, watch the videos over and over and, and, mm. and read magazines inside out. Well, that's what I did anyway. Yeah. Um, next year, Brazil. It was the second year of MCS. I think we went from the red gear to the pink gear. No, I think I was on Webco in Brazil already. Oh, uh, okay. I think. No, we did We did a... we Norway... So, so we Brazil was after it was Norway, so it was Norway France. Was first, yes. Then the yes. next year was Norway. So then Christoph turned super class. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the first year with Christoph, because that was a big matchup waiting to happen. You and yeah, you and Christoph and Wilco. Yeah, I was really looking forward to that. Not, uh, yeah, the kid can you know, like you said, you just described him perfectly. The guy came up through the ranks as a 14, 15, 16 year old, moved up to super class or elite or whatever, and started beating our asses. But um, you went back and forth. Like I already accepted, I can't beat this dude, so yeah. I'm happy to get a third or fourth. Right. But for you, you was probably like, we yeah, we went back and forth. He won one weekend, I won the other, or Wilco won the other, and then I won again, and then Christoph won again. It was it was kind of like that, yeah. from what I remember. But you guys were always friends, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Christoph always get along. I mean, from the point you started to talk English, because I think it took him a while, didn't it? <laughs> took him a bit. Hey. <laughs> um, so Norway worlds. Norway worlds. Um, you cut me off in the final. I did. Yeah, nice one. Things I think you really cared about me. You were trying to get a Wilco. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I won cruiser uh, again, and then twenty inch final came around, and here is where I really jacked up because I should have won that thing because I was I First think I, out, yeah. I was in in lane two. Came no, out. you was Wilco was in one. 
I think I was in two, you was in three. Three, okay. And you were trying to get on Wilco. And I was on the inside, but I remember yeah. Christoph coming was in eight. seven and eight. Yeah. And I was the only, I'm like, all right, Levesque's way on the outside. I don't have to worry about that guy. I got to worry about Wilco my neighbor. on the inside. <laughs> and so I did just that. And then here comes Christoph, hauling around the outside, just beating our asses through the first turn. And, and that was it. So he won that, and I got second. Yeah. And Wilco ended up third. But that was a good race, by the way. That was a really good race. Well organized, big crowd. I yeah, mean, no, I, I think so as well. The Eurosport, um, you know, the show it was is on YouTube, and it was very even well produced and right. a good. It was yeah, the 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 Norgies did really good on that one, I think. Yeah. And again, another track that they still use now, right? Uh, not on that spot, but in that town, yeah, something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was the same spot. No. Oh, it's not. No. Oh, I always thought it was. No. Um, and then then we did Webco. So then Nico. Garrett then split the teams. Garrett started up GT Europe, yep. and Nico started Webco, Webco and yeah. Webco was you, yep. me, um, again, a couple of Dutch guys. I think Nico did it, obviously, yep. and a couple of maybe Dutch guys. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Webco. So Webco is, for those who don't know, is an old BMX brand. Uh, I think out of Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, same guys. Yeah, yeah, same yeah. kind of guys, yeah. And Nico picked that up. Um, and where, where are we now? 92. Um, Worlds in Brazil. I don't think I raced Cruiser there. I think he only did 20 inch. So it was again, Christoph, Wilco and me kind of battling it out for whoever was going to win. Uh, Wilco came up first with his 42-16. <laughs> what gear did you have back then? Um, I'd say forty-four, sixteen, or a forty. So Will Coward is always 17. always less than you, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was a spinner. Um, so he came up first, and it was kind of a weird first. Well, it was a ninety-degree first turn, and then a one-eighty short straightaway, and then a ninety into a very long one-two fourth straightaway. And I was catching up to Wilco. Was I was second behind him, and I guess he noticed. He, he felt it. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of pushed me off the track just before the, the turn after that straightaway. <laughs> and while he pushed, you have to look this up, it's funny. While him pushing me off the track, I kind of ran straight back into him into that turn. And I was, <laughs> I remember this, I was contemplating, shall I hit him or right. shall I just let him go? And right. I was a sporty guy, just let it go. Right. Um, so he won and I think Christoph uh, got second. Got second. Yeah. But across the finish line, I was Pissed beyond belief. I remember you telling me this. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a Dutch uh, team manager, and he saw the fire coming out of my eyes, and, and he knew why. Um, and he's trying to stop me, because he knew I was going after Wilco. <laughs> and he said, best, best, just go, because it was in the stadium, right? Right. Just go straight, go out of the stadium, and do whatever you need to do. Um, so, uh, I, I remember driving out of that stadium, and the first thing I saw was a car, a VW, one of those old beat-up vans they had back then in, in, in Brazil. And I remember smashing the crap out of that car. You break the wrist in here something. Well, I didn't break it, but I heard it really, really bad. Um, but, that, you know, that I, at least I got rid of my aggression. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, 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 that really pissed me off. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, Wilco won. So another world. So that was ninety two. So ninety three. The worlds were in Holland. You, you were kind of winding down a little bit then. Yeah, I was. I was getting my feet wet in mountain biking already that year in ninety three. Um, one of my buddies took me to the uh, 
a German, I mean a Belgian downhill race. Never heard of it. A downhill race? What? Yeah. So I went there. I lent a bike. I ended up second in a, in, in that local Belgian downhill race. And I had, I had a blast. It was fun. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, 93 was kind of a, 93, 94 kind of transition year. Because at the end of 93, because Worlds were in Holland again in 93. And I, I, I think I made two semis. Um, <clears throat> so I was already doing the mountain bike thing because the winter, the end of 93, there was a big German indoor competition going on for mountain biking and all the Americans like Collie and Lopes and EC. Yeah. And they all got invited, Christoph even, uh, to this, to this series, which had a lot of money up for grabs. And, and I, I, I can't remember if it was Mikey or, or, or Lopes or whoever told me about this. So I called up the organization. I'm like, hey, I, is, it, is it still a spot open? I'd right. like to give it a try for these three remaining events. And they said, yeah, sure, come, come out. So I came out. I, I, I don't remember winning any of these races, but I was up there and I made some cash. Um, well, theoretically, I made some cash because I think the organizer took some money and run at the end. I think he still <laughs> owes a lot of money to a lot of people. That's long um, but anyway, that, that got my feet wet into mountain biking. So, 94, I decided to do uh, some World Cups mm -hmm. mountain biking and still, you know, did BMX because I went to the Waterford Worlds in 94. Yeah, I shared a room one. with you. Me, you and Jamie Stuff shared a room. Yeah, shall we tell a couple of stories or shall we leave it to that? I got the photos as well, somewhere. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> good thing it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um... That was a good trip, though, wasn't it? That was a really good trip. And we didn't even talk about... We, we can hit on that later, some of the University of BMX Oh, yeah, we can trips, talk about yeah. that stuff. Um, but, yeah, 94... You was kind of checking out, I could tell. I was checking, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, my head wasn't in BMX anymore. I was kind of over it. Not not the sport, but, you know, the, the, the parents whining and all that kind of stuff. And 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 there were, then there was mountain biking, where there was no parents. It was just, you know, yeah. your friends riding down It was down perfect for you, wasn't it? The timing was for you. Yeah, yeah. Um... So I, I decided to give that a shot. So I told myself, um, you know, I gave myself two years to see if, if that was something for me to chase after or not. So in 94, with a little bit of help of a local bike shop, um, they gave me a bike and some travel money. I, I, did, I did two World Cups. First one, first one was in, in south of France. And back then, anyone could register for these downhill World Oh, Cups. you could then? Everybody could. So there was like eight, nine hundred people registering for these for these races, and then you had a pre-qualifier on I think on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday where you had to make the top two hundred. Yeah, and then Thursday there was the qualifier, so those two hundred were brought back to fifty or something or eighty, and then Sunday was the you know the final, the fifty or the eighty guys who qualified. I couldn't make it into the top two hundred. Oh really? Not even close. I'm like, damn, this is gonna this yeah, is gonna yeah, be tough. Yeah, I thought. Uh, but I, 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 I stuck to it. Um, that winter, 94, 95, I trained my butt off because obviously it was different from, from BMX. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming here for a World Cup in Vermont and I was on a podium. First World Cup. So I went from not being able to qualify for the you know, top 200 to, to being on a podium. Who was you riding for? Uh, that local bike shop with oh, some still. help from a big brand in Holland called Batavas. Yeah, yeah. okay, who you had come um, to ride for, yeah, yeah. And and they ended up, you know, offering me a contract. But 
at that race, I, I still remember because, you know, I was doing BMX. I, I told you before, I was hardly making any money. I, I'm just happy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I traveled the world and, and rode my bike and it was all good. And I remember podium there. And then all of a sudden, uh, Oakley came up to me. Hey, you're you interested in a, in a partnership. And was that Minosi as well? No, he wasn't involved. Back then. Yeah. It was Pat Mack. Okay. Um, and then the Cannondales and the Scots and the GTs and all the tracks, all these big companies and... Some of them came up to me, hey, what, what are you doing next year? And we got, you know, so they were offering me money. And uh, I took that back to, to Batavas and the bike shop. I'm like, listen, at the end of that year, because they were starting to, Batavas decided to uh, set up a team. Right. And Batavas is not really a name that has a ring to it internationally. So they uh, made up this brand called B1. And they offered me my first contract, and they offered me like I think it was forty grand or something. Oh wow! Nice. Uh, and so here I was from making hardly any money to right. what forty grand? I can ride bikes and yeah, they give yeah. me forty grand. Um, like yeah, so I signed, um, and then the year after, I, I you know I started doing well, made my made my podiums at World Cups or, or top tens or whatever, and I only had a one year deal. And then uh, I think it was Scott and Kendall who after that year came up to me with, with an offer, which was way more than 40 grand. Uh, you know, back then it was, there was so much money in the sport. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so they were, you know, they were offering 200, $300,000 contracts. Wow. Um, so I took that back to B1. Right. And they just, I think they just had a, found a co-sponsor in a bank in Holland and um, they said, well, what's the, the highest offer you, you had? And like this, well, what if we offer you that for the next three years? <laughs> like, yeah, dude. No problem. No problem. <laughs> so I signed for them for three years. Um, and who else? So the team was, Corrine Dolan was cross-country, right? She came in later. It, initially, it was, it, was, it was downhill focused mainly. Uh, me, a Belgian guy called Philip Meyerhagen with the two hot shots, as you would say. Um, and then around that, the whole team got built throughout the years. And Broke then, up, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Corrine came in for, for, for cross country uh, a couple of years after that. She went to the first Olymp, no, not the nine, not the ninety six ones. I think the Atlanta, the Atlanta ninety six, no, the two thousand ones. I think she was going to. Um, so yeah, at one point they had a, a team that consists of I think. 12 athletes and, and, and 10 staff. And wow. I think the whole team cost like, they had a $4 million budget or something oh like God. that. I didn't realize it was that big, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was huge. Um, so my contract ended in 2000, I think. So I renewed for another two years. Um, bit less money because, you know, the money was gone. Obviously, <laughs> 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 after that budget. <laughs> Uh, th- those two years and then signed again for another two for again less uh, but still happy you know I still made a wonderful living yeah um, and then in 03 at the end of 03 my my contract was up obviously and I was 35 ish at that time and you know you know i like alright I'm, I'm not gonna have many much many yeah, many yeah. Years left in this sport at this level so the federation came along, and it was just announced that BMX um, had gotten a spot in the 08 Olympics. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, three, they asked me if I wanted to, and this had nothing to do with BMX, but they asked me if I wanted to come in as a coach or trainer for track sprint. Mm -hmm. So I did that for one winter. And then they, um, um, they wanted to set up, you know, some kind of structure for BMX. And they, they asked me if, you know, if I wanted to do that. So I left track and um, I went up and set up this structure for BMX. Yeah, and yeah. That's 15 years ago. Oh, 15 years ago was it when you first yeah, started that? Oh four, the year of the worlds in 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 Balkan That was the first official year, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow, I didn't realize. Yeah, that's that's a long time. Yeah. And just tapping back on your mountain bike career, I mean, you won World Cup in downhill and in four cross because I was I was there when you won that one in, uh, in towards the end, yeah. France. Yeah, yeah. No, I did I did and, well. I can't complain. I mean, yeah. Um, you won South Africa downhill, right? Won South Africa downhill World Cup. Um, made top fives i mean top if top five back then it's weird for for mountain biking against bmx because only top three on the podium but in mountain biking there's five guys on the podium so i made i made a bunch of those uh top five finishes or, and top tens so i, I did i did world's podium did okay. right did you get a world's? i got a bronze medal at, at downhill worlds in 96 in Cairns, australia so that was with nico palmer and you yeah nico won palmer was 0.15 behind Nico and right. I was 0.18 behind Palms, so that was a close call. Yeah, um, but I remember that's being, a pretty rad podium, though. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like star studded. I mean, was that EC fourth or something? Maybe was he? I think seemed to remember EC I was think in the EC mix. was fourth, and Mikey yeah. was was in the top ten also somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah. No, good good times because that was the first real result. I mean, the, the World Cup win in South Africa was the year after, so that was my my really my first uh, appearance making world's podium yeah um and you was around four cross when that started and you was you know i kind of came and did a little bit of that when when it was yeah well we had slalom the first in world cups um and that kind of died and someone came up with the idea to race to have four people race down a mountain on a pretty much bmx track um and then again yeah you know it was it was the guys you used to race back in the BMX, right. you know, EC and Mikey, and then later Prokop came in and right. Lopes uh, was in there. All these guys have been racing for my whole career. Um, I also raced in, in mountain biking, so it's that's yeah. It was like the right time and the right place to you as well. Wanted it seemed to be like a bit more of the seasoned guys in mountain biking. It gave you guys another another shot to stick around and right. have a go at winning some stuff and, and, and value to sponsors. But four cross, you know, the world's, um, was so big, especially in Europe, wasn't it? Four yeah, cross yeah, worlds yeah, and yeah. the world cups, always big crowds. And, yeah. uh, I really liked the scene, you know, coming to the, it was always fun that you'd go and race you guys. It'd be really tough, you know, but there'd always right. be a good party after. And it was just very, good very time. laid back and good times, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. And then, so let's obviously move into the, the national team stuff. So you set up the national team. How was those first few years? Did they basically give you the, the reins to to do what you, you know, the national uh, federations had? Yeah, you know? I could I could do. I mean, it, the budget obviously was very very limited. Not it's not by far what it is now. But um, they they you know they gave us a chance to set up some kind of structure. Mm-hmm. And back then, again, nothing had changed from the time I was. BMX in 20 years before that because, mm-hmm. you know, most of the top guys did two or three local club training sessions in the week and they did their racing in the weekend and, mm-hmm. and they thought they were, you know, they were high-performance athletes. Right. Which was not the case, obviously. So... And you learned a lot about the training through the mountain bikes. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, never, yeah, you yeah. know, I never had any 
really kind of trainer or guidance in, in BMX on how to train. Like I said, I did it on my own and with some little bit of help of, of, of Garrett and his knowledge about training. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the, the 10, 12 year was, years I was in mountain biking, I really, I really learned what, what high-performance sports was all about. Uh, you know, we had a coach in that team um, that I just described. So no, I learned a lot. So I tried to kind of copy-paste that into... Um, into BMX when I was, you know, trying to get that structure going. And the first year I remember we went to Worlds and, you know, these guys had to wear their orange jersey and then this guy wanted their, his sponsor on his jersey and then that guy wanted his sponsor on his jersey <laughs> and he was on this bike and what if my bike breaks I need and this guy was on a different bike. It was, right. It was nothing compared to the structured yes. thing I had in mountain bike. I'm like, Jesus, this can go way different and way better than it is now. Right. Uh, so the year after, um, I, I I got into my own network and 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 set up some kind of team structure. Although it was a national team, you know, mm-hmm. it was an open structure. But I wanted everybody on the same sponsorship deal. I wanted everybody on the same bikes, body, 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 yeah. just to make it easier for everybody. Yeah, which was kind of weird for BMX back then. Yes, it was. Yes, because I remember us showing up as a team in. I think it was Spain World Cup for the first time, the outdoor Spain one, not the indoor one. So the first one in Madrid in, what was it, 06, I think, if I remember right. And we were unloading the van and I was putting all these, 10 of these red line race bike, road bikes in, in trainers and then right. the athletes came in and all in the same gear. And and then I remember the Americans, what the hell are these right. guys doing? Oh, 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 look at them, bunch of idiots. Um, <laughs> I couldn't care less because I thought that was the best for my athletes for I, them to I develop. Think, I think DB, Derek Betcher, called you guys a bag of oranges. It could, be, <laughs> could, could, could well be. Um, but again, I, I didn't care. I, I, I wanted to do it my own way. And at least I got my athletes on my side. They, they believed in, in what we were trying to do. Yeah. And uh, my federation. Um, and it's a funny thing that 10 years later it's the number we, yeah yeah I mean that's whatever. what we try to do with our team we looked at what you was doing when we started the junior team a couple of years ago um, it was to try and brand everybody the same right. and it's very challenging coming from America because you can say what everything you just said everyone's got their own thing and people don't right. want to lose sponsors and um, but that was always the gauge what we wanted to do and you guys really set the bar over the last few years uh, you really was a team would see you come out to to the US, you know, I, I obviously didn't do the World Cups, but when I saw you come out to Chula Vista, you guys would come in two vans and you'd all get out and you was a, right. you're really a team, which was, uh, yeah, I think you my, set the bar, you know. I'm really convinced that, you know, a team can really um, uh, strengthen an individual, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it's a good setting and everybody's on the same page, I can get better for my, mm-hmm. uh, for my teammates around me and, and the other way around. I mean, it's it's a challenge, but if you can get that going, then I think yeah, and it's tough at sometimes because it's a very individual sport and it's 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 very macho-y and it's very about image and all that, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I think if 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 I thought and I still think if you can line it up so that everybody's willing to learn from each other, yeah, yeah, there's there's no losers, right? Right. Um, so I think that's the strength uh, of, of our program. You guys have always had, always had depth, even going back to those earlier years with the national team, like you said at the start, mm. but always always so many good Dutch guys, you know, and continues True. to be. And um, you know, what, what were some of the highlights of your 
years as the coach then, you know, was uh, five oh, points geez, for you. Yeah. I know you guys have so much There's success. Tons of it, but it, it's not, I don't, I mean, obviously success is, is looked at when you win races or when you're on the podium, you know, that mm -hmm. is success, but there's also other success, you know, you can, you can have success every day, every week, every month mm -hmm. on a very, you know, different scale. Mm -hmm. um, but going to results, obviously there's, there's the world championships of, of, of Smulders and of Kim in, in 15, a couple of European wins, uh, world cup wins. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's a bunch of them that I can, that I can, you know, name. But for me, it it that's like I just said. It, that's not really what it's all about for me. Yes, in the end, I have to show my mm -hmm. NOC or my federation every year. Uh, listen, this is what we've done, and and you know you have to meet certain standards. But for me, that that was the easy part. It sounds weird and arrogant, maybe, but right. that, that's how it felt to me. For me, this, the 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 challenges were, were were daily or weekly, mm -hmm. or, you know, in the winter. Uh, where you need to work, uh, or when someone got got injured and and you wanted to uh, have him or her recovered ASAP again because in four weeks we got this World Cup, you know, right? Stuff like that. That I like those challenges. Winning those races, yes, that's that's really cool and 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 really nice. That's in the end, that's what you all do it for. But um, I I really took a lot of pleasure in, in, in working with these guys and girls daily and, and see them better themselves on a daily basis. I, again, I've not really even asked you that, but just looking in, watching all their videos and following all those dudes on social media for the, you know, since, again, since you started, it seems like you knew how to mix that fun part. Them Dutch guys always seem like, you guys are always, even back from the, when we looked at you guys in the 80s and 90s racing with you guys, you guys were always very serious, but you guys always had fun. Well, you know? I think we had the image of being very. We were very serious, but and that and therefore we had that image. But yeah, we 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 laughed our asses off. Yeah, at, yeah. At dinner or at, at any training sessions, and and, the, and yes, there's drama, but um, and that's normal life, right? It's it's kind of a mirror of normal life. Yeah, you know, yeah. High performance sports. You know, you you cry one day and you laugh the next, and you win this weekend and you lose the yeah. week after, and it's those emo emotions. Um, if you can, um, those mixed emotions of these of these ten, twelve different people that you work with daily, mm -hmm. you know, one's on a high because he just won, and the other is is totally on a low because yes. he or she just broke her whatever. Right. Um, it's those mixed emotions. Yeah. That, that that make made it all worthwhile, and and that there also came the fun. Um, it may sound weird, but. Um, if someone was down because of kind of an injury of or whatever, the guy who just won would cheer the other yeah, guy Yeah, yeah. And then the week after, it would be the other way around. Um, I just listened to a little interview um, on YouTube with Jelly. Some hmm. guy interviewed him and Jelly talked about that with Kenman. Oh, that's our He was saying how there was a team yeah. spirit and he was he was happy when, you know, like say emotions are up and down, but he's happy when the other guys did good as well, you know? Exactly. And yeah. that that's hard to create, but once you have that... Um, yeah. Uh, how do you say? Um, as a as as a kind of a standard, yeah, it, it's it makes things way easier. I always, again, I, I haven't been on the World Cup circuit for for many years, but I, when I have been to World Championship stuff, I always like to watch the coaches, and I like to, you know, I like to see how you guys. And I just like I'm just as a fan, I like to watch right. how, how riders deal with pressure and behind the gate of the worlds, and 
I always saw you as a coach, and I've said it to numerous people and talked about on the podcast, you didn't seem like you was in their face or you was bugging them behind. You always seemed like you were standing back and a few of them would come over to you and yeah. seem like that's the way you approach coaching, right? Yeah, that's me. Um, it's not about me. It's not about the coach. It's about the athlete. Mm-hmm. And he or she needs to be at their best at that one point or whatever it is in, mm-hmm. uh, per year. Um and it, I think it doesn't help that athlete if I'm in their face right. as soon as they walk on the hill and then try to talk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's not me. I never see you do that. No, no. no. I think Eva if they like needed that. something, they come up to me. Right. Right. And obviously in the days before you talk and try to yeah, take yeah. a tactic or whatever. But at the race itself, at that moment where you have to perform, I, I step back. I saw that with Evo and, and with the, with Allier as well. You know, right. you see some of the, I don't know if the word's new school of coaches, but you right. see some of them, you can see like they're stressing them out before they even start. Well, you know? it, it's also an individual thing, right? Because one athlete really likes his or her hand to be held way, all the way up to the hill and right. once they're in the gate. And there are coaches who are that, who are like that, and, and and are really in someone's face and telling them till the last minute. This yeah, is yeah. Need, this is what you need to do. But those athletes probably want that, and they probably thrive the most by being coached that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not a coach like that. No, I never saw uh, that. So no. if I have people in my in the 15 years that I've done this, um, it, it also needs to be a, a, a match, right? It's it's. It's not about just picking the guy or the girl with the most potential and, oh, come into our program and you're going to start winning races. It's not like that. Right. Um, you, you, you can do your best and see what he or she can, uh, uh, in the end, can be, yeah, potential-wise. Um, but it could also be that, like, after six months, luckily, I have not had that in my uh, in those 15 years, but... That it's not a match, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's just a struggle because uh, you don't understand each other. Mm-hmm. And then um, that athlete has to move on and find find another coach who fits her needs or his needs more. Right. But the other way around is, is also true. I mean, if out of the ten athletes you have, I had oh, an average year. If four or five uh, came up to me and and it, you know we didn't match, mm-hmm. then maybe I should think about leaving because obviously then I wasn't doing my thing right. good enough. Um, but that luckily never happened. Um, you guys always believe in, I again, following the guys that are always, in, and we'll touch on them in a second, that Kim and it seems like you guys always race, gone to different, you know, you come to the US, I saw you in South Africa, I think one year, you, you know, you'd always yeah. at European rounds, you'd come and do some nationals in the US. It was all about keeping them race ready, right? Yeah. Well, in the end, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. And every year you kind of do uh, uh, an evaluation of, of how the past year was. And and then I think two years ago, the majority of the athletes came up to me and said, hey, we would like to give it a try to race the whole U.S. circuit and see if we can mm-hmm. you know, gain something there or win or get that title or whatever the goal was. So we did that. Oh, we tried it two years ago, three years ago, two years ago. Um, but unluckily, uh, a few of those who wanted to chase that ABA title got hurt early on in the season and they mm-hmm. had to miss a couple of races, so it wasn't worthwhile to do the whole series. Um, but looking back at that year, uh, it, it it wasn't worthwhile anyway to come over here because the competition was in Europe. And, right. you, you know, yeah, looking yeah. over Europe, looking over history, um, you know, there's 
three, four years, everybody wants to race in Europe. And then kind of switch to the North American scene again. There was three, four years, everybody was racing here. Yeah. But, you know, two years, three years ago, the competition was in Europe. And those couple of races we did here, did race here, were small. I mean... The gate was filled with orange. Yeah, I with Nashville, you with a couple case, Americans. You guys were in Nashville; they wanted a glass yeah. almost. No, exactly. So, looking back at that year, I mean, we learned, but it, we, I think, we were better off racing in Europe. Yeah. What? Um, what's your? You know, Nick Kim and I, I again, and I enjoy watching him because he's. I see him is 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 putting events on now. He's in South America. He's doing video. I I love, especially in today's racing, the stuff that he right. does and. It's got to be the big favorite. I mean, it's hard to say favorite, but I can only see that dude getting faster, right? Yeah, no, no, he is. But but that I mean, <laughs> Nick is 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 a is a character. I mean, they're all characters. But it's just like he's really having fun, um, though, isn't he? Yeah, and he likes this filming, and that's where he gets some of his energy from. Um, it would not work for him to just have that steady although it's you know it, it at the base you have to have a steady yeah yeah kind of a training regime on a daily base right but, um he also needs to be able to focus on other stuff because it'll it'll probably drive him crazy if he yeah if he's yeah BMX. yeah no i think it's a breath of fresh air especially in today's landscape with pro you know pro elite riders Right, you know that he's actually doing it all, and then obviously it looks like he's having fun and yeah. results in winning as well. You know, so and that all and, and you know if is he, if he's having fun and if he at that moment is the guy to beat, that also rubs off on mm-hmm. the rest of the team, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's 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 always finding that balance. Um, if you work with more than one athlete, I mean, if it's one on one, you know, all these individual coaches that are out there and work one on one, they up they. That's a different dynamic mm-hmm. from me working with 10, 12 athletes on a daily base. Mm-hmm. Um, so if one or two in that group are having you know, a good time and, and, and winning races, that rubs off. It rubs off. How, would you, as a coach, would you try and treat everybody the same or how, 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 would, it, how would it work? You know, like Training-wise, I'm, yeah. I'm the guy. I mean, we're all, being, we're all doing BMX. So in, 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 in the basics, we, I think we should all do the same. Right. But then, if you set your goals, fine tuning. You do that on an individual basis, right? And, and that's what you fine tune for that. Yeah, yeah. Athlete, but in general, you know, we're all we're all doing BMX, and yeah. we're all doing that thirty-five second sprint, and it's all the same jumps and turns. So, yeah. In the basics, I think we should we should do the same thing. It's just the coaching towards the goals. That's that's why you do things individually. Yeah. Then Jelly coming second in uh, Rio. How was that for you? The whole experience of that was a really emotional and... one. Um, yeah. Because Jelly, obviously, the year before had a really hard crash in Chula. Yeah. Uh, which the second strain. Yeah, yeah. Which put him in a coma for a couple of days. Um, and that was just before the London Olympics. Right. Um. But he went to the London Olympics, but obviously he wasn't, he wasn't ready. Enough, yeah, you know, not ready by far. But um, if you know Yelly, you know he's going to come back strong because his goal always was, you know, performing at the Olympics. And whether it was a medal or or a final, you know, you can't tell. But he wants to perform. So, although beforehand no one really saw him as a medal favorite in Rio because that year he was, you know, kind of up and down. Yeah. 
but I knew, we knew that once he was there, he's the type of guy that can, you know, switch up two notches when, mm -hmm. when he has to perform. And it seems like he's cutting corners in practice or in training sessions, but he's not. That's, that's who he's he is. He's a racer, he races, he's, yeah. Exactly. Um, so come Rio, um, and having gone through the London experience with him and, and the drama around it, um, and then I think he also broke uh, his collarbone the year, the winter before, no, the same year as the Olympics in Rock Hill. Um, no, that was then him finishing up with a silver medal. That was that was a really yeah, that was a really emotional one. That was a good one. That was, that was a great one. lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you go back and watch the way yeah. he comes through, yeah, through the pack. sixth to fifth to fourth to it. You know. And how's he doing anyway? Since his injury, you know, I've been keeping up up to date with him on social media. And like I said, I just watched that little interview. It seems like he's in good spirit. He is. Um, obviously, it's it's hard times mm -hmm. um, for him. You know, he had to give up his his uh, his, his dream of being a high performance athlete or mm -hmm. BMX guy. Um, it, it was a really dramatic experience. But he's he's he's, he's considering the circumstances, doing well. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. still on rehab. Good. He just started a new uh, kind of therapy. I think three weeks ago, and it seems like that's that's helping me out a lot with with, with especially with walking. Mm -hmm. um, no, he's he's doing well. Yeah, considering yeah. considering. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, all right, I guess you know. Say you've uh, looking back now. You've you've obviously, as we know, we read just before Christmas. You've you've uh, hung up your hat for yep. the national team. Um, what? Um, yeah, any you know closing. Closing it all up is it a little bit sad to to leave something you started? Like say we looked up to you guys, your team, as it is. I mean, I've done and, it with yeah. fifteen years, and yeah. I've done it with a lot of you know pride and pleasure and and and, and happiness. Um, I'm a type of guy. I like to sit down and the, the federation asked me in '04, would you set up a structure for BMX leading up to the Olympics? Mm -hmm. And the, Questions like that and finding the answer to that and setting that up, yeah. and building from scratch, that, that's Rewarding. stuff I like. Yeah. And then when you see the results of whatever you set up, that, that's where I thrive off. Right? Yeah. So it, it, it took me 10 years to get that structure because obviously you first have to start with athletes who have no clue in general mm -hmm. what high performance sports is all about. So that takes about four or five years and that's one generation but meanwhile a new generation comes up so you kind of have to educate that generation as well at the same yeah. time so it takes about 10 years to set that up so the last four or five years were kind of a it was all set it was it was there it was running it was you know, mm -hmm. running well but it was a repetitive thing it was the same thing every every year i'm not complaining because you know it, it got me to work with young people it got me to travel the world it, yeah it's just, i really loved what i did um but I didn't find any challenges anymore within uh, myself, within BMX. Right. In that setup. Um, and especially the last three, four years. I mean, stuff had happened in my private life that were pretty stressful. Um, and I got further and further away from my core business, which is core, uh, which is uh, coaching and training. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the organizing stuff, the sponsor stuff, the... Mm -hmm. the the athletes, 15 years ago, they would one-on-one -on -one do exactly what I 
told them to do because right. they didn't know any better. Right. The internet came up. Google came up. Yeah. All the information is that, you know, you've got to press enter and, hey, boss, I read this about this. Yeah, training session yeah. And, this makes you know, you cool. get, and then it's all good that they start thinking themselves and, right. and trying to find out other ways to get better, which is really, really good. Uh, but doing that for 12 athletes day in, day out. Time consuming. It's, yeah. it's time consuming. It's, 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 I just had the feeling that I wasn't really coaching anymore the way that I wanted to. Be. Right, I understand, yeah, and yeah. Just like I said, on, on a personal level, some stuff had happened. So add all that up, you come to a point like, oh, maybe I need a, you know, yeah, yeah. the pace and, and switch, uh, switch things around a little. And my contract was up at the end of last year, so that was kind of a push for me to make a decision. Do I, do I go to Tokyo, which I really wanted to do, because obviously I had a bronze uh, with Laura in London, the silver with with uh, with Jelly in mm-hmm. in, uh, in Rio, and I think we really have a bunch of athletes, women and men. At you guys can win both. We can win time. both. Yeah, yeah. So that would you know, I chase that gold. But at some point, you really have to put yourself first. Yeah. And you've been working your butt off for, for, for 15 years for other people, again, with a lot of joy and, and, mm-hmm. and, and pleasure. Just ready for something new. But just ready for something new. Yeah, I yeah. Choose myself. And, yeah. and shout out and respect for not just mailing it in, because I know a lot of people would have, you know. You could say, yeah. oh, let me see, Smothers, uh, Kim Manhart, this looking pretty good. I could kind of cruise. And yeah, but that's these, not but, No, that's not you. That's mm-hmm. so rad that mm-hmm. you, uh, you, 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 you're ready for the next thing, so... We will uh, look forward to seeing what's next. You will see my face. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, seeing what you got cooking. Um, let's wrap this up, Bas, because we're going to have some dinner and I'm hungry. Right. Um, anything you want to finish it off with? Shout out? Uh, not really. I'll make shout outs to everybody I've met over the last 50 years. Yes, <laughs> that's my age. <laughs> Um, in BMX and in mountain biking, sponsors, athletes, whoever, parents. Um, I mean, I had a had a joy what I did. So thanks to everybody who I uh, had the pleasure of working with. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bass, and uh, good chatting. I'm sure we'll chat again. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya.